Hi, this is Brian Maddox, and welcome to another episode of The Consulting Trap. With me today is Angie Wolf with Ideas at Dawn. Welcome, Angie. Hi, Brian. Angie, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about what you're up to and how you got to where you are? Yeah, so um, Angie Wolf, I am the owner of Ideas at Dawn, uh, marketing consultants. We help engineering and construction firms win more work without adding on more payroll. Um, I started my gig after or business, I should say. It's not a gig anymore. Started as a gig, started as a side gig like most entrepreneurs, but um, started it after 17 years in uh, the corporate industry. So I did the exact same thing in corporate as what I'm doing today, helping similar clients, same clients, um, helping them with their proposal process, the business development, and their get work cycle so they can grow um, while supporting a small business at the same time. There, there must be some nuances between, you know, how we get business as maybe independent consultants and how the government clients or how the uh, the larger um, entities like that get those clients. You've built an entire business around that niche, right? Yeah. So what what are some of the key differences? I mean, I know uh, we're, we're going to get into a little bit more about how you grew your business in a second, but but right, right away, some of our consultants that are listening are going to go, ah, oh, wow, that's a niche I hadn't really explored. Can you give us like a lay of the land there? Yeah. So it is very, te- I won't say technical focused because there are a lot of creative people. So from a, like the scope of a team that I work with, um, either within my clients or within even my own team is we have writers. Um, I have a journalism background, so that is tend to be the people who do, I would say, the best. If you have a marketing background, you might struggle a little bit more. It's very uh, writing intensive um, because what we do is we take an RFP from a client. Um, this could be a 200-page document, and they give us requirements that are usually about sometimes 6 to 20 pages, and they want a response back to everything, and usually five to 20 pages. Um, So it just depends. So all these requirements that they have, we are responding to them and helping um, my clients respond, um, demonstrating their value, demonstrating their expertise, demonstrating how their people know the best and also how they know the client. So getting to know the client, both as a business owner, getting to know my clients and them getting to know theirs. Um, So writers, editors as well, so someone who can do one voice edits, someone, um, who else? Yeah, that's about it for the editors. They just have to like to read. <laughs> and, and the challenge is um, it can be very technical content, but that's okay. Um, because it's it still should be understandable. Our goal is always that whoever's reading it understands it, whether they have a technical background or not. So if you don't understand it as someone with no background, we need to revise the content and ask more questions and um, dumb it down a little. Sometimes we are at 12th grade level writing. Some Our goal is to get down to like eighth grade. We are not shooting for third grade. This is not advertising and marketing, but um, we still uh, need knowing most of our clients have college education and know a little bit about what we do. Sometimes we get procurement people and they don't. So that's a really core thing about the editing piece. Then we have graphic designers, proposal managers, which are, I won't say, um, project managers on steroids. 
We understand the proposal process, but also manage projects. So that's kind of the core team. Then we work with our sales people. We work with our um, business development. We work with capture management. So that's kind of, it's, um, and nearly everybody, I should say, it's getting a little bit better. Um, everybody accidentally ends up in this field when it comes to proposals. Um, I accidentally ended up here as an intern with the same, um, with a construction company, but it was on the marketing side and communication side, and we kind of just fall into it. There are a few uh, colleges grooming people to do this as a real job, but otherwise it's all by accident. That is super interesting. And it sounds like a healthy constellation of folks that you have to have involved to make it work. So that leads us to the natural next question. How did you go from, you know, lowly intern, as it were, all the way through the sort of corporate empire to landing your own clients? And then even more so then how did you build that constellation to get to the next level? For me, my big thing was always taking the next opportunity. Um, so I started my career journey as an intern. It was corporate communications. It was working on the company's magazine. Um, it was straight out of school. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> it's an internship, even though I just spent four years um, in college, right? Not not always the greatest thing, or at least from a uh, mindset point of view, but it just happened to be the same group that also did proposals for the company. Um, and at this point, almost 20 years ago, proposals were focused on the federal industry and the federal market. So this would be your federal government. For us, um, it was in construction. It was... Um, the Army Corps of Engineers, which helps with a lot of things you might not realize um, in your own backyard. Um, but then it was take just willing and able to take on new opportunities. Um, I did that for a year and a half, went to Denver for another year or so, went to California, went back to Denver, went to New Mexico. So just networking within the side of the company so I could take on new opportunities and continue to grow and meeting new people and doing different things. So whether that was proposals focused, uh, business development more focused, um, marketing. Um, so I had background in the education building side to out in California, we were doing a lot more water. California at that time wasn't doing a lot of proposals. So it was more bids and quals. But it was business development then. So that's when I honed in on my business development skills, um, networking with other competitors, networking with clients, and then realized, okay, I'm really good at the writing piece. I'm really good at the proposal management. Let's hone in now that I have a bigger background and understand a little bit more <laughs> of the process to to get there. So for me, it was always taking the next opportunity, willing and able to move, being flexible with that. Um, and then also knowing that I'm continuing to learn and adding value. And so that was kind of the corporate career. Um, took some more stints outside of proposals within uh, Kiwit to help, really. Um, and I wanted a break. Um, proposals and marketing and business development and that side of the business is very exhausting and long hours. So I needed a break. We were starting a family. I'm like, okay, time out. I need something a little bit more predictable. Uh, and um, eventually became a lot more unpredictable. I was on the road. Um, 
away from the family every week. I would be home on the weekends and that was enough at that point as well. And that's when I started my business on the side. Uh, we ha- we wanted to save up money, wanted to find some clients, like all of those things and being able to leverage my network that I built up the past 15 years. Um, I wasn't great on the LinkedIn side, but I still had a bunch of executive people and people I met from other companies that um, I leveraged. So I, I imagine you leveraged them to get your first couple clients. How did I that did. go? Yeah, it was awesome. Actually, <laughs> it worked out perfect. Um, it was uh, my old boss in California, um, a coworker I had um, in the West Coast as well. So these were all people that knew me um, and knew what work I could do and were at different firms. So those mm. are the people I went to first. I'm like, okay, you know, I can do this. Don't tell anybody yet, but I can help you. Um, I'm doing this on the side, building up my network. And it was, it felt too easy. Um, but <laughs> that may be the first time I've ever heard that. That's awesome. It, well, it so was. Great. it's gotten a lot harder now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't like super excited that it was going to get harder. I was more like, oh, that's it. This it, is great. We had somebody who had a, a, a almost fell into a business experience. That's so cool. Yeah, it was. Um, now, the hard part, the hard part wasn't the clients. The hard part was doing a full-time job and then doing the side gig on the side mm. and, and helping with the clients on the side and doing that in late nights. And now that I look back at it, I'm like, how the heck did I do that? Like, I'm exhausted. I want to be in bed by nine. And before I'm, yeah, it was just, um, but it was dedication that you'd have to put in in those early days to grow a network, grow a clients, save some money so you can be comfortable to be like, done, adios, and off we went. Yeah, yeah. So when you got past the referral stage of the business, how did you get from from like the independent uh, Moonlighter? You, you, you made the break, right? Which is probably scary. Yeah. How did you make the second break? Because there's always two, right? The first one is... Um, I'm now on my own. The second one is uh, now I need to stop doing it and start managing it. Yes. Um, for me, it was kind of happened by chance, a little bit by luck, by accident. So I left corporate in June. So this was all during COVID. <laughs> um, it actually worked out. It was perfect for us because, right, everyone's remote, therefore, this is perfect. I don't have to uh, travel anymore. Yeah. Well, don't have to travel, but also the construction industry didn't take a big, like we weren't all remote. Like we were still going into the office. We just had reduced numbers. So because we were essential service and um, a little bit different, even than the engineering side of things, construction was essential. And I was on a project and we were considered essential and we were all ramping back up to go back. down to the office and I'm like, no more, but (laughs) my other clients and clients I had worked for that previous year were, most of them were still remote, like some were still in the office, but just the concept of being remote had, wasn't a new thing anymore. It wasn't something I had to sell. And that was the beauty of it. And um, reached out to some other people and they had a big project coming up. So it was another person in my network warm network person I knew, person who knew me, um, I had worked with before and they had a big proposal coming up. 
Um, I was adamant when I left that I did not want a large team. I did not want to manage people. I just wanted just to do my own thing. No kidding. Three months into it, I was managing like a six-person team. It was just like, <laughs> I know, right? It was not what I originally wanted. It worked out perfect. It was a big proposal. Um, yeah, managing, it was like six people. It was how long? July to January. We were traveling. It was proposal to interview. It was everything that I'm like, no, I don't want to do that originally. Um, so, but it worked out perfect. And that's what actually springboarded me into continuing bigger projects and continuing with having a team to support me. So then I'm not the only one doing it. And we haven't changed since. If anything, I've we've taken on more clients and have more people on um, my bench to help clients and have continued to grow that. But yeah, it was interesting that <laughs> something I didn't want to do. And yeah, right. I mean, it's the, isn't that always the way though? Um, I remember for a long time going, you know, I want to I want to be successful in the world based on merit, not on the relationships. Um, and then uh, that 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 didn't work out so well. Not not because I wasn't capable of having you know quality outcomes, but rather um, you just you have to have other people involved. That's there is no other way. So it's really interesting the learnings you come across when you do this kind of thing. And in many cases, the things you avoid are the exact things that actually are going to move you forward. So yeah. Um, so that's cool that you had that experience. So so now now that you're like you know. Uh, the firm you never expected in the way you never expected. What's how, how's idea at Dawn getting clients now? Some of it is still through referrals, but um, just a year ago. So a year ago is when, and I don't know what the what happened, but a year ago I hired someone to write my emails. I hired a social media manager. I hired a firm to do. Um, LinkedIn marketing for me and to do cold emails. So I'm not, I don't remember what happened a year ago, but a lot of things changed in bringing on a team. I um, already had an operations manager on board. She was helping more on the proposal side, but I changed her role. She helped me with my marketing and my business. And yeah, so that's what, so now we are, it's really I would call it warm outreach. So in addition to reaching out to people on LinkedIn, connecting with them, um, providing value on LinkedIn, we are doing, um, so I read Grant Cardone's 10X Life, what is it, 10X rule book, um, right? Be different from other people, other people in the industry, other um, competition. And so we are posting, we try to post like seven times a day, 10 times a day. Um, so just being visible, providing value, that is um, one thing that we try to focus on, even though people might not need us now, continuing to demonstrate expertise and um, that leadership. So that has been, we've been doing that for a year. We are seeing a lot of dividends now on that from, from LinkedIn with co still connecting with people um, and using, trying to use my network there. In addition to that value with just posts and content and an email newsletter now and a LinkedIn newsletter uh, is we do free monthly webinars um, just to bring in other experts in the industry and have them teach 
my audience and other people um, similar things of what they can do in the proposal industry. So it really has been a little bit of trial and error, of course. Um, and we'll can, we're actually looking at changing some things up now, going less cold emails and really honing in on LinkedIn and um, providing value there. And um, yeah, so that's been the change. It's really instill referrals um, from my current clients who talk to other people and hear about me and still leveraging my warm audience that I still met and know right. and continuing to use them. But it it's becoming more referral-based. And um, in addition to the free webinars, I also speak at conferences and do free webinars for other associations in uh, in this field and industry. There's two big ones. Um, so continue to just get visible and work comes. And and go beyond podcasts. Yes. So, <laughs> yes, and, yes. And hang out with Brian and, there we go. and others. Yes. So um, uh, I want to thank you for being on the show. And uh, one of the things that um, uh, I think would be helpful since since you are working in that uh, you know the the federal and the and the, the government RFP space um, is telling uh, our listeners kind of who would be a great person to reach out to you, who you might be able to help the most, um, and how they should reach out to you. Yeah, so my target audience, I say, is who I go after um, on LinkedIn and Target are are medium to large to call it extra large <laughs> engineering and construction firms. So it's usually someone that already is doing this as part of the process. They know what proposals are. They have some sort of process, whether it's dysfunctional or not. Um, big firms, so I had a conversation with, which I thought, I guess maybe they're just a medium-sized engineering firm. And I didn't realize they were as dysfunctional as they are. Like you just don't realize it, right? Pull the curtain back and you're like, oh, I can really help you. I thought you like had your stuff together. Um, but um, so yeah, engineering construction firms focusing in the civil construction space, civil, um, oil, gas, and chemical, federal. We don't do residential. We don't do as much in the co like commercial building side. So something that's usually pretty technical and pretty hard to explain potentially. Um, also work on the water side. Uh, so whether that's a treatment plant. Um, a new one, which was new, it was a referral from one of my clients, is shipbuilding. So these are like tugs to help with um, oil, gas, and chemical with offshore things, like wind turbines and building things offshore. There's companies that actually build boats to do these things. And so working with them to provide that service. Um, let's see what else. Where you can find me, LinkedIn is probably the best place. Um, or my website, which is ideas at dawn.com. And um, yeah, so LinkedIn is Angie Wolf. Um, you you should be able to find me. Or I just found out from one of my marketing consultants, if you Google ideas at dawn, we are at on the first page. So that's awesome. great. Um, and you can find us that way. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, so what were your three biggest takeaways as you were growing your business? Network which I would have done a lot more. And I was having a coaching call with one of my leadership students. Network even when you're in corporate. You just never know. You never know when you might decide to do something different. I, at one point um, or multiple points within that process, 
decided that LinkedIn was too much time. I didn't need a network. I'm going to be here forever. Um, I wish I would have done that a lot more and connected with people um, that that were not only within the side of the company, but we worked with a lot of teaming partners. And that is also how I'm getting clients these days is the people I worked with outside of that. Um, so networking, um, continuing to learn. Um, that is always something that I am a learner by at my core. So whether that's learning about what I am writing about and asking questions or learning more about my profession or learning more about being a better human or a professional or a business owner, but continuing to learn and finding whatever way works best for you. Um, whether that is books, audio, podcasts, um, whatever trainings, um, but continuing to learn. And then the third thing is take chances. Um, I am. I don't think I'm a risk taker, um, but I, at least not my personal life, but um, starting a business, which I didn't realize some people were like really scared about. I've helped two people start businesses. Like I had to push them over the cliff. I'm like, just do it. Like I'm giving you work. Um, it was shocking to me because I guess for me, it wasn't for me. That wasn't a risk. Um, so take risks. I took risks throughout my career. Um, when I was an intern to taking on new roles, to moving to towns I've never been to, to moving outside of the state in, well, two states that I lived in previously where I grew up and where I went to college. So take risks um, and have fun while you're doing it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks again for being on our show today. Uh, yeah. Definitely want to check in with you in a couple, uh, couple of weeks, months, years. Find out how things are going for you, and uh, when we see your your name on the you know the Forbes 100, then we'll definitely know you've got it figured out and you got the luck going for you and the ambition. So, uh, yes. thanks again for your time. Uh, appreciate appreciate having you on the show. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Consulting Trap. If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at Brian at podcastchef.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at P-O-D-C-I-S-T-C-H-E-F dot com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef. Podcast Chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue-generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our podcasting done-for-you service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level. Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet. Or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, we will talk to you about that, uh, for free. We'll help you figure out, uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below, uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks.
Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks.